thanks for uh, joining us today on another uh, another rendition of our what we call Visual Insights. Uh, obviously, I have uh, a little bit of background of me for the people that don't know me. I've been training vision performance skills, especially in baseball, but all different sports for 20 years. Uh, I learned uh, a lot of this from my father, uh, who had started doing this in the 1970s, working with the Kansas City Royals uh, in the, what they call the Royals Baseball Academy. And I was very lucky to uh, participate and um, probably didn't listen to him as a, as a player, as a kid. But once I got older and got a little smarter and wiser, I realized my dad had uh, some smart things to say. And uh, so we decided uh, over time uh, with everyone having this off time that we thought we'd share some information share some uh, experiences with different players. And uh, we appreciate Max BP for, for helping us uh, promote this and neurodynamic vision. And today we got the great uh, Sean Casey. So Sean, I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, thanks for coming on. Hey Ryan, great seeing you, man. Great seeing you. And uh, I'm so thankful for, your, for you and for your dad in my career. Couldn't thank you guys enough. Yeah, this is, uh, it, this is always fun. It's always fun to be around Sean. And, you know, Sean, I, I think I may have told you this, but, you know, in 1999, you were with the Reds. And that was the first spring that I went with my dad to spring training um, as helping him. Not, I'd gone a few times before, but I remember uh, the, the interest that the players had from you to Jason LaRue to Brady Clark to, you know, all those guys back then. And I said, Dad, you got something here, and, and I want to learn more. So it, it's, you were a big reason for why I've done what I've done and uh, helped me with uh, all the exposure in baseball and, and softball and all the other sports. I remember that. Dude, I remember that like it was yesterday. It's funny that it was 21 years ago. But, uh, you, know, I, you know, just really quick, you know, for me, like your dad, you know, was so big on – helping me understand especially when I got to the big league level just about how important my vision was and how important it was to really slow the game down and just to be able to have him in my life you know to call on especially when I would scuffle and the conversations we would have how he would kind of bring it back to simplifying things was uh you know he was such a huge influence in my career and you know and like I said you and I became good friends over the years and you obviously learned a lot of knowledge from him and you've taken uh you know taken the reins of of this whole thing. So, you know, like I said, I'm so grateful and thankful for that time with your dad and, and you. Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun ride. Now, you know, Sean, I don't know if people know this, but um, there's only about approximately 200 people in baseball with over 3000 at bats that have hit an average of 300 career 300. And uh, you're one of those guys. That means, um, you know, you, you, you basically got every 10 at-bats, you got three hits, you average about one walk, and you average maybe one strikeout per 10 at-bats. It's pretty amazing stats over time. And I know it was not easy to, to accomplish that. What, what were some of the reasons or some of the things you attribute to that? Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's something I can appreciate now looking back at my career and, you know, at my life, you know, with all those things uh, – you know, I think a, a big thing was, uh, you know, it's funny. I think a big part of it was a lot of the stuff I did with your dad and, um, and you was just, uh, you know, I remember, I remember one time somebody asking me, hey, are you, you know, at spring training, one of the reporters was like, is your goal to hit 330 next year, 100 RBIs? And, 
and and 30 home runs. And I and I remember when I was younger, I would say, yeah, those are my goals. Hit 300, you know. And I remember starting to think, no, no, those aren't my goals anymore. My goals are not to waste one pitch over 600 some of bats. That if I can go, if I can mentally get focused, if I can get a deep breath every at bat, if I can hunt the fastball, make my process so good and get so good at mastering my thoughts and mastering, uh, you know, everything that I do at the plate, especially visually, if I can really see the ball, see it early, see it late, uh, and do that 600 plus times, I bet you at the end of the year, I'm going to look up and I'm going to have had a pretty good season. Yeah. Now, um, it sounds easy, but we know it's not. <laughs> yeah. What, what were some of the things that kept you from, uh, from, from accomplishing that? And I know some of your answers, but for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, there's so many, there's so many variables that go into, go into, uh, you know, professional sports, especially baseball. I mean, obviously health's one of them. You know, I know there was times you just, I, I had certain years you grind through different injuries and stuff like that. So that, you know, that's, that's one of them. Um, you know, I got hit in the, I had an orbital fracture, like my third day in the biggies with the Reds, which was not, you know, not a great thing. That's when I really started to first kind of meet your dad, uh, was after that. Um, but I, you know, I tell you what, anything that's a skill, uh, a skill, you know, such a, a, a skill like hitting a baseball or throwing a baseball or whatever, um, you know, it comes into play was, is, is the, uh, you know, the um, paralysis by analysis, you know, sometimes you can overthink things, you know, sometimes you can really, okay, hey, my hands aren't feeling good. They're not getting back enough or, or I'm, uh, I'm lunging out the ball or I'm not getting off my backside or whatever. And I found the times for me when I really struggled were the times that I really overanalyzed my swing more than anything. And I even, I even tell my, my kids nowadays, I'll say, listen, I learned before I go to my swing and all these different variable, variables about what I'm doing, where's my anxiety level? Am I slowing the game down? Am I seeing the ball late? Am I swinging at strikes? Am I ready to hit? You know, is the, am I swinging at the pitch up? Am I swinging at the pitch down? Do I need to raise my sights up, raise my sights down? Is the fastball in beating me? Do I need to take the fastball in and start getting the ball out over the plate? I mean, that's 12, 13, 14 questions I asked myself before I even went to my swing. And I think, I think nowadays we don't understand that. I think we want to all get a, hey, let's, uh, let's break down our swing into 85 different parts and let's rotate that back hit. It's, it's, it's too much. For me, it was a, it was a few swing thoughts. And, I, and I, did, I did do a lot of swings in the cages and all that stuff. But I also worked a lot of, my, a lot of stuff on really seeing the ball, seeing the late and driving the baseball. So, you know, for me, when I got back on track, you know, I always think your turnaround time is what it's big. Do you struggle for four weeks or do you struggle for four days? And that, that to me, is a lot to do with your vision and a lot to do with your, hey, are you able to, when you struggle and you lose your confidence, are you able to still believe in yourself, slow things down, let the ball travel, and, 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 and really get visual, get visual? Because I always thought when I didn't get visual, you know, tension's poison. And when I, when, if I got any tension, what I found was I'd lose my vision. So when I, when I found, when I got really relaxed, and we were, these are some things I used to do with your dad. We used to hit the cages, and he'd be like, okay, get relaxed. And I would get relaxed, and then wham, I'd hit one. And he's like, all right, see where you can get, can you get more relaxed? And I'd be like, okay, let me, let me, test, let me test those limits. And I would try and get more relaxed, and then wham! You know, and it was like, it was just testing my limits on 
how relaxed could I stay, let the ball travel, and still be as explosive as I, explosive as I need to be? So it's yeah, kind of a long-winded long answer, but that's, that's what it was. Well, you know, that's a, it's a, what we talk a lot about with players is relaxed eyes or better eyes. And, right. and we get so caught up in everything else. And, and it, you know, even, you know, cracking the whip. You know, if you ever crack a whip and you try to do it too hard, it, it doesn't work. We got to be relaxed and let, the, let those things flow. And I know, uh, you know, baseball is a game of anxiety and it's very hard to control that at times. But you, it, you learned over your career, you had to really, really narrow that down and say, okay, what's my task? I'm coming up to the play. It didn't matter if it's the playoff, didn't matter. In fact, um, you know, you, you may remember this story, Sean. Um, I remember you calling my dad about uh, the first time you ever faced Randy Johnson. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All too well. <laughs> and, and you were, I believe, too well. I think you were on the way to the ballpark and you were scared, you were nervous, you were stressed. And, um, you know, it, it, that, that, that tension was, was increasing on there. And if I remember correctly, he talked to you a little bit about, hey, look, he's, he may be big, bad, and ugly and fast, but, man, he's got, he's got a release point. He's got a release point. And your task is to get your eyes to those release points. However you do it, get those eyes and let yourself react to what was coming. You know, your dad was great at – he was great at dumbing things down. Seriously, I remember he used to say kiss, you know, keep it simple. And, you know, and I loved what he would say keep it simple to be a superstar. You know what I mean? And, and I always remembered that. And like, and one thing that I learned and I learned a lot through your dad was that as soon as the ball is released, whether it's Randy Johnson, you know, for me guys, some of the best players that I faced were like, you know, Roy Halladay and Greg Maddox and, and Kurt Schilling and, and, and Clemens and Pettit and all those guys, Mariano Rivera, some of the greatest pitchers in the game. At the end of the day, when that ball is released, now it's me and my vision. It's me versus me. How well can, how great can I get at letting the ball travel, at seeing it early out of his hand? And as soon as it releases it from his hand, even if it's at 100 miles an hour from a 6'11 lefty like Randy Johnson that's coming behind me, doesn't matter. Now it's a, it's a game of vision. It's a game of angles. Is it coming in from the behind me? Is it coming in from the right side? Is it cutting? Is it sinking? Is it splitting? You know, all that stuff. Is it a changeup? You know, now I'm really relying on my vision. Like, so I have to be at, in a demeanor that allows me to be as explosive and, and, and visually oriented as possible where I can hold that position as long as I can and wham, and then unload the barrel. And, you know, that was big for me. Facing a guy like Randy Johnson early on, I didn't have a lot of success. And as I started to develop my process and, and focus on the task at hand more and realize I got to be great at hitting that baseball and letting it travel into my zone, that's when I started to hit him pretty, you know, hit him pretty well. I, just, I think I, I hit three thirty three off him, but not a ton of damage. Say, I think like, you're, you're one of the leading uh, left-handed off of Randy Johnson in the top. Well, there you go. Top see, five, right? See. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and which which, well, I mean, that wasn't easy to do, but it was. <laughs> a lot of it had to do with I, I started forgetting that it was Randy Johnson, and I it was a it was the baseball. How well could I control that ball? Yeah, and that's a, a lot of people forget, hey, it's about the ball. It's not about all the other things you control. And you put yourself in that position to recognize the pitch, track it, and react to it. You're giving yourself a very good chance to be successful. And it's, as you know, it's, again, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I told – Ryan, I told, my, I told my son recently, you know, he was – they didn't get any games in this year, but, you know, they, they had some stuff. And he's a junior in high school. They had some scrimmages and stuff. and. 
you know, early, a few months back. And, you know, one scrimmage came up, didn't have a good scrimmage. And I said, well, what were you thinking up there? You know, I didn't even care about a swing because I see a swing in a cage and I know it's good. I said, well, what were you thinking out there? Well, kind of thinking about the coach and that I've been, that I've been hitting all, all winter and that my swing should be really good. And went through this whole process about what he was thinking. And I said, did you ever think about the ball? I was like, because that's all that matters. It doesn't yeah. matter how many swings you've taken. It doesn't matter what coach is there. It doesn't matter what scouts are there. It doesn't, none of it matters. What matters is how well are you seeing the ball? So I tell them all the time, you know, I used to get, I used to have a little note card in my back pocket. I have three things on it. See the ball, be easy, be aggressive. If I could have a calm aggression where I was easy in my body and in my mind being ready to, to hammer something with the yes, yes, yes. But the ball was the most important. I would get in the batter's box, Ryan, and I would, I would just look out and say, ball, 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 see it and hammer it, see it and hammer it. Like, that was your dad and I's big thing. Yeah. I, it was just a, it was a small mantra. Your dad would always be like, what is it for you? I'd say, see the ball, hammer it, see the ball, hammer it, see the ball, hammer it, see the ball, hammer it. And if you're doing that more often than not, if you can stay consistent with your focus on the task at hand, I'll tell you what, man, that's, that, that lets all the, all the hard work you do in the cages, <laughs> all the T work, all the flips, all that stuff, that can't come out at game time if your mind's not clear and right and visual. It just – that's the bottom line. Yeah. And you, you br bring up a good point, this uh, task at hand. And, um, you know, the task at hand is it's not about, um, you know, getting the base hit. It's not about scoring the great run. It's not about um, any of those other things. It's really about – Focusing on the ball. Focus on the ball. Process, not results. Like, what's my process? I can't – I'm going to – my job as a hitter is to hit the ball hard. So, after it leaves my bat, I don't know what's going to happen. I got there's, – there's nine fielders out there. I can hit a rocket right to center field. Right? Guy can make a dive. Matter of fact, I, I faced Randy Johnson one time. I'll never forget this. We're in Arizona. Throws me a nasty slider down and away, 92. Boom, I stay on it. Hit a rocket in the gap. And David DeLucci makes, like, a diving play. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, when you face Randy Johnson, there should be no fielders because it's tough enough to just <laughs> hit the ball. You know, it's tough enough to hit the ball, let alone having guys making diving plays on you in the gap. But one thing I realize is that my job is to hit the ball hard time in and time out. And if yeah. I do that and I get three hits out of ten, if I succeed 30% of the time, then I'm, a, you know, a, then I'm a rare did. breed in baseball. Yeah, exactly. So – you know, practice, and, and, not results, you know? You know, Sean, we, we can go down so many different routes here, but I, I tell a lot of my players uh, a lot of stories about you, good stories. But, um, you know, even to the fact, uh, I don't, you probably remember this too. One year, um, and I, I can't tell you exactly what the year was, but you would call my dad and you would say, I'm done with baseball. This game, I am so tired of this. I'm, I'm going home, go be with my kids. <laughs> And this is no, it's no fun anymore. And, uh, you know, I just can't get a hit. I can't buy a hit. And he would sit there and say, Sean, are you seeing the ball? Yeah, I'm seeing the ball, Doc. I'm seeing it really good. No, Sean, are you really seeing really the ball? Really seeing it, yeah. Like you're capable of. Are you seeing it early? Are you letting that ball trial? Are you, tr you hitting it where you want to do? And you're like, yeah, no, yeah, you're right, Doc. I'm not doing that. And you would seriously, the next 10 days, you would hit 400. Yeah. And then you would get distracted 
because someone on the bench or some hitting coach, maybe, I don't know, someone would say something about what's Sean, what's your elbow doing? What's your knee doing? Are you getting enough lift? Are you getting enough lift? And the next 10 games, you couldn't buy a hit if you tried and you would hit about 200. And then you would call my dad again, say, man, go back with Mandy. I'm done. I just, I can't, this game is killing me. I'm about to jump out this hotel window. Sean, you seen the ball? Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing. No, Sean, you really seen it? Like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm not. <laughs> I gotta get back. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true. You said, when did I call your dad? All the time. You know, <laughs> but what season? Every, you know. And it was so funny. We we would go have lunch whenever we'd come out to play the Padres or the Dodgers. Your dad and I would meet for lunch, and he would bring out the stats, and he would keep. I said, Bill, start start tracking our phone calls because it's unbelievable how much after I talk to you, I just rake. For like a couple weeks so he started keeping track of uh our phone calls it'd be like 4 30 4 50 you know it was unbelievable and like yeah. i was like i gotta start giving you part of my salary you know what i mean because uh, <laughs> but it, you know but he was so but, but but ryan it was so true and i even tell my kids that or, or i tell kids that i work with i said are you really seeing the ball it's oh yeah i'm seeing it but i'm not no you're not are you really seeing the ball because at the end of the day the best pitchers and the best hitters make their money in those last four or five feet. You know what I mean? Like the guys that are just your average players, they go get everything, right? Yeah. And the guys that your average pitchers don't have that good movement late. So you can, you can, that's where you make your living off of. You make your living. I'm living in this house because of the, you know, three, four, five guys, you know, not because of the one and two guys, the one and two guys you kind of grab, you grind against, you know, because their action's so late, you know, like, and so as a hitter, same thing for me, it's like, are you really seeing the ball where well, you're seeing that last cut? You're seeing that last sink. You're seeing that last, uh, you know, split or whatever it, it is on it, you know, and that can I make my decisions later? So your dad was like pounded into my head. Are you really seeing it? Not are you seeing it? Are you really seeing it? And if you're really seeing it, that means you're relaxed. Are you relaxed? You know, it's like so many great questions to get back to getting visual because what's amazing is, when you let the ball travel and you get in, you and you get a good pitch to hit, you'll you'll be amazed when you videotape your swing, you'll say, Oh man, look how good I am down to that ball right there. My back elbow rode in. I really got the good barrel turn. My hips really ro rotated to the baseball. I was, I was right, I caught that ball right on my front foot. Yeah, because you let the ball travel and you allowed it to be in your body and you allowed your body to work perfect. When you're not visually, when you're when you're a little anxious and you're not seeing the ball really well, what happens? Your swing breaks down. Your hands go out first. You get a disconnect. You get blown up. You, you lose your legs a little bit because you're going to get the ball. Like, so it's like quit looking so much at all, these, all the techniques of your swing. Let's get the technique down so well that we can get visual that if we let the ball travel, we can really – our swing can be right on the money because the ball is where it should be. Last, last point on that, Ryan. <laughs> You ever think about hitting off a tee? The tee's back in your stance. And I always tell people all the time, I was like, the ball has to get to the tee. Is the ball getting to the tee? Because way out front is not where you hit off the tee. You know, you hit a tee off your front foot. So that's another thing to think of, you know? You know, Sean, you, you bring up a lot of good things that I, I think uh, a lot of people don't talk about. But one, um, you know, is letting that ball travel to, you know, your, your hot zone that last four or five feet, whatever it is, that's where you do make the money. And people get caught up in the words um, vision, I could see or I can't see, but also right now pitch recognition. They keep thinking pitch recognition and they're all thinking about, oh, it's all about picking up here. Important, this is an important part of it. 
But the, I always try to tell people, and, and obviously you experience this, the last four to five feet is what pitch recognition is really about. That's where we see the late breaks. That's where we see the late moves. That's where we have success. And you as a player, when you struggled, I, you know, I remember your, your ground outs were to second base. And when you were letting that ball travel, man, you were hitting that ball off the wall every single time. And it was, it's a game of this. It wasn't that you're, you were that far off. It was just like a few inches that you didn't let that ball travel that you were out to reach and get, get off there. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was such a game of inches, you know, I mean, milli inches almost. But the big thing about baseball is that, like, it takes a little bit of – it takes a lot of courage to let the ball travel. It takes Trust. no courage. I can get anyone up there right now to just start swinging at the ball and not having that confidence in themselves, having that courage to let the ball travel. Like, hey, when you're hitting and you're, you're facing the guy one-on-one, if you want to be really good, you got to wait, wait, wait a couple ticks longer. You know what I mean? And you got to let the ball travel and trust your swing and trust your vision that you can wait a little bit longer, make better decisions. Because here's the deal, Ryan. If I'm waiting longer, that means – I'm making better decisions, right? If I'm making better decisions, I'm getting better high leverage counts, right? So if I can take that nasty cutter that cuts at the last second, now I'm 1-0. Now I'm 2-0, you know? Instead of being, oh, my gosh, man, I'm, I just swung in a ball. I'm 0-1. You know, now I'm 0-2. No, if I, can get so, if I can get visually good, guess what I'm doing? I'm taking the tough pitches. What's that doing? I'm getting in high leverage situations. Now I'm 2 more often than not. You know what I mean? And I think that's what hitting is all about. I'm trying to play the percentages here and get the yeah. percentages in my favor. It's not just about swinging at the good pitches. It's also taking the nasty ones. Well, I need my vision to do that. I need to be able to see the ball late. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I mean, again, it goes all over the place. People, you know, seeing that whole trajectory, that whole distance, as long as you can – and still have that ability to, to make a decision is key because that's what slows the game down. And, you know, another guy that was obviously really good at this was Barry Bonds. He was, had that ability to slow that down very much. There's plenty of other players like that too. But sometimes the, like the coaching tips that people say is you're late on the pitch or you're going to be late if you wait too long or you're going to um, – and they say you got to start earlier. But a lot of those things mess vision up even more. The reason that people are late – or, or any of those issues tend to be a visual issue, not, not a mechanical issue. They're not picking it up early enough. They're not tracking the ball long enough. And, uh, you know, even – I'm sorry, I can jump on it, but I want to bring this up to you is uh, when you were with Detroit, there's two things I want to bring up with you with Detroit. One was uh, – I think it was the first year – you can correct me because I don't remember all these years. When you got traded there, you went to the playoffs, correct, that year? Yeah, I went to the World Series in 06, yeah. Yep. And then you got injured in one of the rounds of the play, playoffs and you did not have a lot of time to work on swings mechanics. Yep. What were some of the things you came back in that world series and went off had a, a, a phenomenal uh, series. What were some of the things that you did to help you be prepared? Cause you know, that's one thing is people go, I'm off. I'm not playing right now. I'm, we're out uh, at home and I don't have a chance to swing. I'm not seeing live pitching and we're in that kind of situation too. But how do you get back to when the, when the you know, lights come on and I haven't had time to prepare, what can I do in between to get myself prepared? Well, that's a great question. I mean, there's so many things you can do. You know, I know for me, when I blew out my calf in Oakland and then we came back 11 days later and I played in the World Series, you know, I remember, too, your dad was big on, like, standing in, standing in on bullpens. 
I even told my son recently, I'm like, you guys can social distance. Go get a net, get a buddy that's a pitcher. Let him throw to you while you take a bunch of pitches. Like, your dad was big on, like, getting in, you know, getting in on guys' bullpens, going in and seeing, just seeing pitches, seeing pitches, and, like, just tracking, 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 tracking. That's what I did. You know, so before I got to the World Series, when, I, when my calf was good enough, I, knew, I could always stand in. But I stood in on a lot of bullpens to try and, you know, try and get ready to play. So that was, uh, that was, that was definitely a huge thing uh, for me. And, uh, you know, even the max BP stuff, like some of those little golf balls, the stuff that, that you know, that, that machine that we used to have, uh, you know, where it would come out, yeah. you know, and I would track it. Don Slaughter, our hitting coach with the, with, the, um, uh, with, the, with the Tigers at the time, had a lot of these little ping pong, ping pong balls with like red, green, blue, and then numbers. And he would throw them at them. And I did a lot of vision stuff, you know, trying to simulate, um, trying to simulate getting ready for, uh, for the World Series. Also, another thing I did, Andy Van Slyke had a can of an arm, who was our first base coach at the time. And I remember I, what I would do in the, in the batting cages was he would throw as hard as he could from batting practice distance. It must have been 100 miles an hour. And I mentally would get, would get ready just like I would in the game. And I would say to myself, yes, 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 I'm swinging. Because that's the thought process you have to have as a hitter. Yes, 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 you're swinging until your eyes tell you no. And so I would, I would be in the box and I would, yes, yes, yes. And if it came in, was there, I would just keep going. And then it was, you know, yes, yes, yes. If it was a ball, no. You know, and I just let my vision take over that, no, I didn't have a time to, oh, let me see what pitch this is going to be. And uh, then I'm going to swing. No, there's no time for that. You got point, what is it? 0.4 seconds, 0.38 seconds for 95 mile an hour fastball. When you blink, that's how fast you blink. I don't have time to do that. I have to do what Barry Bonds did and what you said, Ryan. I got a great story. Dusty Baker told me this story. He said him and Joe, he, him and Joe Morton, Dusty was managing the Giants, and Joe Morton was doing the Sunday night game, and, and uh, Bonds was playing Sunday night baseball, and he had – this was his line for the night. He, had, he was two for two with two home runs and two walks. He saw 15 pitches, right, and he saw two strikes, hit them both for home runs, and they asked him, Man, how'd you do that? You saw 15 pitches. You had two walks. You saw two pitches for home runs. How'd you do it? He goes, you know what? He goes, I visually think that every pitch is going to be right down the middle. And when, it, and when it is, I just hammer it. And I love that. So that means every pitch he was ready for, every pitch he was focused. And when he got it, he hammered it. He didn't worry to himself, oh, they're not pitching to me. And I'm No, no, he was ready for every pitch. And when he got it, he didn't miss it. Yeah, it's, it, it is amazing. You know, Sean, you were, you were highly visual as we keep talking about and you, and you bring up Barry, but you don't hear a lot of players talk about, you know, their vision. They take it a little bit for granted, but you do hear when, when people ask, hey, what did you do or how did you, uh, you know, were you, how were you so successful at this moment? And they all say, oh, I just saw the ball really well. Why, why do people not talk about um, vision training, vision strategies or uh, visual abilities? I think, I think there are guys at the big league level that do talk about it. You know, I think, that, I think those guys try to keep it as simple as possible. I, I think sometimes the guys that don't know the most about hitting talk the most. You know, some of the worst coaches I had, hitting coaches, had every gadget in the world and have everything you could imagine to talk about hitting. They were my worst hitting coaches. Some of my best hitting coaches, like a guy like Dave Magadan, who I had in Boston, was one of my best hitting coaches. He would always ask me a couple things I was – what are two key points 
that you would think about uh, to, uh, you know, that when you're going well. And I would say, you know what, this is what I do. I, I let the ball travel. I drive it to left center. And one, one thing I would think about with my, with my technique would be, man, I like to get my hands back. I want to make sure my hands are back. Then he'd go to, I remember him going to Jason Bay. What do you do, Jason Bay? Jason Bay's like, I get my foot down. Big Poppy, what do you do? Manny Ramirez. So he had two things for everybody and what they did. It was simple, right? It was simple stuff. And, you know, I think nowadays, you know, you, you just got to be careful with, like, the an analytics. And I think if you talk to most of these guys that are big league ball players that have gotten to that level, they will talk a lot about vision, about seeing the ball, about really letting it travel and trying to drive it back into the gaps, you know. But I, I think away from that level sometimes, and I, and I see it at the high school level and, the, and at the little league level and stuff, we get over analytical. And it's paralysis by analysis. Your, your brain can't handle all of it. You know, it's just got to get to the point where you dumb it down and see it and hammer it. Yeah, and I think uh, it, it is a little bit of a secret to some of the players. They don't like to let people know. And part of it is it's hard to explain. It's not as right. simple as it sounds. Um, I had a player uh, um, plays professionally uh, for the Angels right now. And um, his comment to me was, uh, well, first of all, when I looked at him and evaluated him and kind of looked at how his eyes function, I said, you see the ball different than most people, don't you? And he goes, yeah, how do you know? I said, because you got the eyes that can do, do amazing stuff. And I said, what do, what do your teammates say? He goes, they think I'm crazy. They think, he goes, I see things that they don't see. And he goes, they think I'm crazy. He goes, but on the other side of it, he goes, I think they're crazy because they can't see this stuff. <laughs> he goes, well, how they <laughs> You know, so it, it is a little bit hard to explain sometimes. And some of it has to do with, you know, there are some visual skill sets, but it's a visual mindset. Of you got to see it in a way before you can react to it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's a, it's, it really is a visual mindset. Listen, the brain and your eyes are so, you know, they're, 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 so, they're so complex and they're so, like, amazing. And I think that's why sometimes you can't explain it because when you really learn to use them and you really turn them on, then you can develop that skill. But if you're just up there not really seeing the ball and you're thinking about your swing, you're not turning on that skill of your vision. You're not turning on the skill of your brain of allowing you to take a tough pitch or really see a ball late. You know, so, so for me, I think it, it just – it's such a simple thing, but it's the main part about hitting. And I think it goes overlooked because – Anyone could go in the cages and work on their swings and stuff like that. But to, to take the time to do some vision training stuff and all that, you know, that's the next level stuff. That's the stuff. That's game time stuff. That's what you're going to need during the game. I remember your dad teaching me the thing when I, I still have a ceiling fan in my room. And if you turn a ceiling fan on it, you get that thing ripping. You know, if you sit in your bed and you, and you pick out one blade, you know, if you look at it and you start to pick up that one blade, you can start seeing one blade just going around. Meanwhile, this fan's on high. Now, if I take my vision and I get that broad focus again, I see the fan just ripping, and it's amazing that I can see one blade. So, you know, it's things like, little things like that, you know, uh, were kind of cool for me to, like, that your dad taught me, like, just little things to, to, to see if my vision worked, you know, good. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about that. We call it fine focus. Ryan and Case. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, this bird strain, uh, Case. I know some of the people you paid for Bob Boone, my teammate. I'm an ex-pro player. But one of the things I picked up in Cuba, and we keep talking about ISAP, eye slot, and all that other stuff. Let me tell you this. The Cubans figured it out without a, 
a, a computer. And what they do is all the pitches, they put their eyes in the same spot. So if the pitch is middle away, they put it there. Pitch down the middle, they put it there. Pitch middle in, they put it there. The eyes dictate the path of the bat. That's the way the brain works. And they figured it out. So one of the things, and we talked the other day about this, when you talk about yes, 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 Sean, and I teach that, one of the problems is that most youth coaches, if a kid swings at a breaking ball that's 55 feet, he gets chewed out. Well, I'm in a yes pattern. Hey, I'm happy because he's seeing and trying to hit it. So one of the things I think you guys should really talk about is putting your eyes in the same spot so you don't have to say, okay, pitch middle away, let me put my eyes there. Pitch down the middle, let me put it there. Pitch middle in where the magic is, let me put it there. But guess what? You just hit a 350-foot foul ball. So my thing, real simple, is if you put your eyes in the same spot, we I don't have to talk about letting it travel because every one of these cats that play that heard it a million times. But if you put it in the same spot, your back path is there. Guaranteed, I'm telling you. And you talk about Barry, Dusty, and Joe Morgan, all my running buddies. So yeah. I, I know that from Barry. Appreciate the comment, Bert. I love it. I love it. I, you know, I, I, I totally agree with what Bert was saying is that, you know, and I think, too, like, Bert would probably agree with this, too. Like, you know, when you're in that posture and you have your vision, uh, you know, it's about being nice and easy where you, I can keep my head still so I can put it right to where I want it. That ball's middle away, bam, my head goes there. You know, my, my, my eyes go right to where I want to swing. And another thing, too, is, you know, where your eyes go, your body follows. So if I'm starting to, you know, leak my head at all or not put my eyes right down where I want to hit the baseball, I'm going to leak that front shoulder. My body's going to start traveling right where my head is. So it's so imperative to keep your head on the ball, keep your eyes right where you want to hit it so that your body can work correctly around your head. Yeah, we, we talk about that a lot is uh, visual accuracy. Get, you know, not just looking, but having good visual accuracy of what you're looking at and it's telling your body how to react to it. And, you know, most of us, especially if you've been playing, um, you, you know, you, you, over time, your eye-hand coordination gets so good. But if you're giving your eyes bad information, that coordination is going to be a little bit off on there. I, I, Ryan, I love what he was saying, too, about the kid swings at the ball that's 55 feet in the dirt. And then the coach is like, what are you swinging at? Like, that's the worst. <laughs> if you're a coach out there, stop it. Like, stop that stuff. Like, this, hard, this game is really hard. It's a tough game. And I would say, if you're a kid that swings at a ball at 55 feet in the dirt, I'm like, Bert, like, keep going. Like, maybe make an adjustment and say, okay, I'm a, I was a little anxious. I know for me, if I'd swing at something like that, I'd say, okay, I'm a little anxious right now. Let me back it down a little bit. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me see that ball up a little better where I can get a hanger. I don't want to see the, the curveball that's down the middle that's going to break down. I want to see something that's rolling up where I can let my vision and let the ball travel a little bit more where I can hammer something. But I agree, man. A swinging bat's a dangerous bat. And if you get the right vision training with that thought process of yes, 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 you're going to make better decisions than you're not. Yeah, and a lot of that, too, is, um, you know, it's defensively as well. It's not just, you know, you know, swinging the bat. We get mad at someone who makes a mistake. Well, we never find out why. We just tell them they're doing it wrong. Instead of going, maybe they were looking in the wrong spot. Or maybe they were anxious or maybe they were nervous, which, like you said earlier, speeds yourself up and speeds that game up. So, I, you know, my, my bias is, hey, what were you looking for? You know, what, what are you looking at? Um, were, you, were you focused on the ball? Or were you focused on the umpire? And what part of the ball were you focused on? 
Were you looking at the lower part? Were you looking at the upper part inside? And, and get into, you know, the reasonings instead of just, hey, um, you know, bad swing, bad swing, bad swing on there. Sean, I'm, I want to bring up another thing, and this all goes in here is back in Detroit here. That, that next year after the playoffs, um, you, you went off to spring training. You guys obviously had some success. And you go the first month of the season hitting 172. On there. Sorry to bring that That's number awesome. up. Yeah. yeah. And that was on the 23rd of April, actually. That's what is it? That's almost exactly, you know, where we would be today. And you were playing in Anaheim and we went and had lunch, my dad, you and I. And you were just, they want me to hit home runs. They want me to do all this stuff. Man, I, I, I'm ready to retire. Doc. <laughs> now, now the, the, and I want you to talk about, but I'm going to bring up these stats. You ended up hitting 10 days later, you're hitting 224. So you just raised your batting average by 50 points in 10 days. You also, a month later, were hitting 255. In your first 78 at bats, you hit 193 that year, okay? Your next 83 at bats, you hit 349. And the next 76 at bats, you hit 355. To me, I know why, because we have had these conversations. But this kind of goes off of, you know, even Bert's comment is these kids get frustrated, they upset, they struggle with this, you know, they don't get off to the start that they want to. But you found a way to, to change. First of all, so I want you to kind of go, why do you think you struggled that first month? And then second, what you did to change, make the change and move forward. Wow, yeah, you're, yeah, that first month I did struggle in Detroit. And, you know, it's so funny, too, because my 10th year in the big leagues, you think you have it figured out by then, but, you know, you're always kind of working at it. You know, you're always trying to figure it out. I was, and here's the deal. Every day I'd meet Lloyd McClendon at 1 o'clock in the batting cage to hit early. I'd hit early for an hour by myself, then 0 for 4, 0 for 4. It was <laughs> unbelievable, you know, and I think it was – I also was old enough to know, okay – stick with the process, stick with the process. And I can remember in that first month of, of, uh, of, uh, in Detroit, I, I just remember, I remember facing, um, uh, Sean Marcus. I think that was the Sean Markham. Was it Markham? Anyway, I think it was Sean Markham. He was with the Blue Jays. Threw me a bases loaded change up in Detroit in like mid April. I popped it up to the pitcher. And I remember thinking to myself, it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, man, I am so out front of everything. I'm catching everything way out front. I can't wait on a changeup that's right down the middle without getting it out front and, and graze it in the air. And I think for me, it was just a matter of, listen, like start, you know, for me, when I would struggle, I would say, get jammed. You know, I'm already getting everything. I suck out front already. I might as well just get jammed and let the ball travel. So for me, it was like, okay, let me find left field again. Cause I was a left-handed hitter. Let me find left field again. And then if I find left field, I could start finding right field. And, you know, once I got a couple hits going, you know, my confidence started coming back and then you got the ball rolling. But I did know that, you know what, I got to stick with the process. I got to keep showing up and eventually it's going to turn. And I know, uh, I remember you telling me in uh, spring training that year, you were, um, you kind of got a little flack about not hitting enough home runs. You got to hit more home runs. And so you're probably, and I shouldn't say probably, I know you were, you were trying to do way too much that first month. And then you right. went back to being Sean. And yeah. trusting the process, like you said, trusting the ball, crush it, hit line drives, and good things will happen. Well, I think that's when you hit home runs. You know, you hit home runs when you're trying to, you know, hit line drives back up the middle or, you know what I mean, when you're trying to just really make good contact with the baseballs when you, when you end up hitting the ball out of the ballpark anyhow. So 
you know, I, I found not many guys I played with and myself included when I was trying to hit home runs that that worked out too well. Usually I hit my home runs when I was trying to be nice and easy and square something up. Yeah. Um, there's a question here from Caden, and I figure we'll go. It says, does vision at all ever affect a player's mindset on the game or how they are doing, feeling at that given moment? And um, I, I, I can help you on that, Sean. You, um, definitely. If um, <laughs> there, there's so many ways to go about that question, Caden. And, and the thing is, if there are things that can happen, whether it's concussion, whether it's lack of sleep, whether it's tight neck muscles that can affect one's vision. And when you don't have your best vision, it can definitely affect the confidence of what someone has in that given moment. Um, I always tell, tell players, and Sean, you know this as well, is look, you have a task, and we've talked about it, is to see the ball the best you can. Now, when I say the best you can, it doesn't mean it may be the best that you ever have. The best you can that day, whether it's because of weather, whether it's because of travel, whether it was because of, you know, whatever it is, see it the best you can in process like you've talked about and let your hands do the work. But it is hard because you can get very frustrated like, you, like you've even talked about. Yeah, I, you know, I just, I, you know, I guess, I guess for me is like I, my brain always goes back to it. And I, and I go now, I, you know, I feel like I'm playing the game of life. But like, you know, process, not results. Like get so great at your process. Your results will, eventually, will be there. But like you got to master the process. you got to master your thoughts. you got to be your, your own best friend, your own best coach. You know, because I, I always say this, Ryan, at the end of the day, you're in, you're in the ultimate wrestling match, right? You've got a guy on the mound, and you're, you're on an island, and he's on an island. And I'll tell you what, the only thing I have is I better come to the, the gunfight with, 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 you know, with some bullets because I can't bring a butter knife to a gunfight, right? So I got to have some tools where I'm like, okay, how well do I think? How well am I able to slow myself down? When I get to two strikes, can I keep my anxiety level down? Am I seeing the ball late? Am I hunting the fastball? I remember talking to Bellinger at the All-Star game this year. It's a great, great story. I said, hey, man, why, why are you hitting the ball so well? Like, you know, give me, give me something. He said, you know what? I got on top of the plate more. I started taking the fastball in because that was beating me a lot last year. So I took away the fastball in, which when I started taking the fastball in, I started taking the curveball down. So he eliminated two pitches right there and allowed himself to get the ball out over the plate, get something he could get his arms extended on. And all of a sudden, you know, the percentages went up and all of a sudden he was hitting more balls hard and, and without having to be so perfect to cover that pitch that was in off the plate. I thought it was great how it was more of a visual thing than it was like a technique thing. Yeah, I think we got something on here. Sean, uh, let, me, let me ask you this, Sean. It, for kids these days, as we're wrapping up uh, towards time here, um, what, what are some of the things that kids can do uh, in your thought process uh, visually? Or, or what can they work on? Um, what are some vision things that they can do? Well, you know what? I think, I think one thing they could do is, you know, you could go, you could, everyone can get those little, you know, golf balls or, or softballs or whatever, like the wiffle balls. You know, I, I like those things. I, I use them with my kids. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll soft toss them to them, you know, the, 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 um, the little balls, and then we'll, then we'll use the, the, you know, the regular balls. Sometimes I'll even bring in a soft ball just to mix in the variabilities of letting their eyes 
really see it. I used to love the I used to love the drill too that Bonds used to talk about. You know the flips where he would he would use no bat, but he would get loaded up and really catch the ball. So catch yeah. it with his backhand. So he'd come in, catch, come in, catch, come in, catch. You know, I used to, yeah, I used to like. I, yeah, I used to like that a lot. That Max BP machine I have at the house, I love that. Turn that thing up, and you get some of those yellow balls in there, and they're sinking, they're cutting. Anything for that, you know, to, to see the ball. And another thing your dad told me, and I'll never forget it, you know, he was like, you know, get in there. If you have, if you have access to a pitching machine, get in there and turn that thing up as high as it goes. And then just see, you know, see the ball. You don't even have to swing, but, you know, eventually you may. And then maybe if you have, the, you know, the, any, any machines where you could manipulate a curveball or a slider just to see some rotation, some tilt, you know, anything that, anything that allows your vision to see. And, and the last thing I would say was, what's your demeanor when you're hitting as a hitter? Like, is it, is it really geared up? Is it a little slower? Is it in between? That allows your vision to let the ball travel as far as you can. And test yourself, for all the kids out there, <laughs> test yourself and see how far you can let the ball travel, right, without having to go out and get everything. Like, test yourself when you're in the cages and off the tee. Yeah. Now, uh, another uh, thing we haven't really talked much about is uh, your depth perception. And that was something that you worked on with my dad, working on your eye muscles, getting your eyes to, to, to not only have that mindset, but get your eyes to work a little bit better. So you spent a lot of time um, – in the off time of train your depth perception to be phenomenal. And that allowed you to see things better than most people did too. Yeah, it did. Well, we would do some of the drills with the cards and all the things that you have, you know, try and bring the two pictures together, you know, you know, into that third picture in the middle and stuff like that. It is amazing, man. Your eyes are muscles. They need to be trained too, the same way you train in the weight room or the same way you train, you know, in the cages. And, and uh, you know, I think, the, the stuff that we're talking about now, that's for game time. You want to be a great game time hitter? It's not all about all your swings in the cages. It's like, how well are your swings in the cages? What are you working on? What's your intention? Are you have intentional hitting in the cages? Like, are you really working on, you know, seeing the ball? You'll be amazed if you really get in the cages. And, and, and if you're pulling everything, you know, I, I can't stand when, when, you know, we all get in the cages and we just get in there and just pull, pull, pull. Anyone can get in there and pull. Really try and see the ball, let it travel, and try and go the other way hard into the gap and have drive it. Have it. a real purpose to that, those, those practices. Yeah, yeah I mean, have an intention. Have an intention visually of what you're trying to do and try and drive the ball the other way. But drive it. Don't just tap it the other way. Really get it, see it late, and hammer it. Yeah, we, we got a good question from Blake here about uh, preparing in the on-deck circle for each at-bat. You know, what, what are some, some thoughts that you have or things that you did? And I know, you know – we didn't really touch too much about it, but is visualization, you know, visualization is important prior to things. And, and I talked about this in another uh, um, episode with um, about Mike Sweeney he used to be really good at visualizing in the on deck circle and everyone's got their own routine, maybe what your routine, but also maybe a routine that you've heard that you like. Well, a couple of things. I mean, one thing I, um, I remember Willie Stargell saying, I don't know why Willie Stargell, but it popped in the, and the Harvey Dorfman wrote a great book called The Mental Game of Baseball. And Willie Stargell said, man, I always thought about driving the ball back up the middle. And when I, when I used to think that way, it used to happen all the time. I was big on, uh, you know, looking in the gaps. I remember I talking to your dad about this. Pick out that 385 sign in the gap and try and hit it right off that sign, right? I would think about that when I was on deck. I'd look out at the 385, 
man, really think about driving a ball off that gap. Picture uh, it. Yeah, just picture it. Picture me hitting it. Um, and the other thing was, I used to have, like I said, I used to have a, literally a physical note card in my pocket. And this was given to me by Harvey Dorfman. And he said, write down three things. And I used to put down, see the ball, be easy, hammer it. And your dad and I came up with that see the ball, hammer it thing. And for me, I would just say to myself, okay, see the ball, be easy, hammer it. And I would look out at that 385 sign and, and visualize myself rocking at one in that gap. And, and, and it worked. And one other thing was your dad always said too to me, he said, uh, he said, you know, when you're struggling, like quit overanalyzing what you're doing wrong. Go back to the times you were swinging good. And I used to get it. I used to get, you know, back it was when it was a DVD. I'd have a DVD player in the, on the flights with me. And I'd put the DVD in and I'd put my headphones on. And on the flight to wherever, from Cincinnati to San Diego, I'd put in a t tapes of me just hitting bullets everywhere. And, uh, and I would just play that over and over again. And just that visualization, that positive visualization always helped me. I still have a copy of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put it to music. Yeah, it was great. And part of your process there is, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a four-step process we talk a lot about is analyze the situation, visualize what you're going to do, center on the task at hand, and execute. Let it happen. Don't force it to happen. And, and you were really good. I mean, I say you're really good. You're really bad at it at times, too, because, like right. I said, you, you got caught up in – and the mechanics, you got caught up in the, all the other stuff. But when you, when you were really into that, you were really, really good at it. Um, we got a thing here. Uh, if you're facing a good pitcher like Randy Johnson, do you approach the pitcher like a normal pitcher? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I, I have to. Like, I have to, I have to be great at what I do. I can't, be, I can't fall into, hey, it's Randy Johnson, and I got to be all uh, – no, I, what I do know – is I, I have analyzed the situation. When you face Randy Johnson, he's coming at a different trajectory. He's 6'11". He's going to throw it three quarters. Lefty on lefty, he's behind me. So it's a different angle. It's going to be a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. It's going to be a 92-mile-an-hour slider. I'm going to have to really sit something middle away. I'm going to have to give him that pitch in because I can't cover it all against a guy like Randy Johnson. i got to look for something middle away. That slider I can still handle left center. And then the heater I can handle in the gaps. And in my mind, I just have to say, okay, as soon as it releases his hand, I got to really be slow, let it travel, and make decisions where I keep that front shoulder in and I can make a decision late where I could, you know, drive the baseball. But Yeah, yeah I think a lot of guys I, get caught up in the pitcher themselves. And, and you've brought this up, in, you know, again, a few times. But the pitcher, what I say, is a delivery system. They have a release point. And you remember this conversation probably a lot with my dad. That, every pitcher has a release point. That release point is never going to be the same uh, from pitcher to pitcher. And when you can get your eyes early to that, partially your preparation, whether it's video preparation, whether it's on deck preparation or past experience preparation, get your eyes early to that release point And like I said, travel as long as you can um, and, and as deep as you can. Hey, yeah. Ryan, Sean. Yes. Uh, uh, Sean, you did a fabulous series on MLB when you did that with Charlie Blackman. That was fabulous because, see, you were a first baseman that didn't profile for first base as far as a hitter. You were a heck of a hitter, but you didn't hit a lot of home runs. So when you came over to Detroit, they wanted to mess with you to do home runs. But when you did that series with Charlie Brackman, I filmed it and sent it to 100 players because that was the greatest thing you did when you asked Charlie at the end of the interview, well, how's that work for you in the game? Charlie says, 
Oh, no, I don't do that in the game. They pay me to hit the ball out the ballpark. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a great – I appreciate you sending that on, too. That was a – yeah, that was a great uh, great segment with Charlie Blackman, obviously one of the best players in the game. And what's funny is, like you said, Bert, like he works – he likes to work boom, boom, boom. A lot of less – like when you do flips with Charlie, left center, left center, left field, left field, left field, left field, knowing that that's the bat path. These guys want to create a good bat path. That's that's a that's an opposite field gap bat path. Because guess what? That same bat path is the one that pulls the ball too. You just you just catch the ball a little bit more out front, and that path is what drives the ball. And that's what Charlie was saying was I work when I work in the cages. I work with intention, and I work to let the ball travel where I can work the other way. And then when I get in the game, that same bat path. If I got to catch it out front, they're paying me to hit 30, 40 home runs. It's awesome. Awesome, Sean. Um, you know, this is a, a kind of a interesting question here, but um, it's a good one. And I think uh, for the players and even the, the coaches that are listening, when did your bat actually begin? And their question was, was it on deck and the hole, et cetera? And um, I'm, gonna, I'm knowing, Sean, your bat began before the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's so funny. I look back at my career – I started to have a routine before the game. About 6 o'clock, I would go in. I would bring three books with me. I'd bring, uh, I'd bring the Bible because I felt like if I, read a, if I read a passage, it would help me get perspective. I read the mental, games, the mental, game, the mental game of baseball was the mental keys to hitting at the time. I would read, and the part that I read was see the ball, be easy, you know, hammer it, that, that, the, the, the chapter there. I love how the chapter, the first game of the mental keys to hitting is see the ball is the first chapter. I love that. And then I would do a breathing technique. I would do like a meditation, 10 minutes. I would work on just really getting nice and easy, really getting my mind under control and slowing down. So then when I walked out of that meditation room at 6.30, it was go time. I'd go get dressed. I'd get ready to go. I'd get my mind. You know, I'd get in character. I heard Kobe Bryant said the other day, like, yeah, like, I'd get in character. Like, like, like the guy from Gladiator would pick up the dirt and get ready to fight, like, so I felt like that me too. Like when I got out of that meditation session from six to six thirty, I was a different character. I had to get my mind ready to play a big league ball ball game, which was different than the guy that was, you know, maybe not there. Like so, as soon as I got dressed and ready to go and crossed that white line for my sprints, I was ready to go. So my my game started at about six o'clock, where I was really like, okay, it's time to get ready for the game. Yeah, that's awesome, Sean. You know, Sean, you and I could talk uh, all day long about some of this stuff and uh and you get you get me pumped up you get everyone pumped up um you know we appreciate everyone listening we've, we've been going on for about an hour like i said we can go forever what are you know kind of wrapping some things up um you know again i appreciate your time i appreciate everyone listening we're going to be doing more of these these talks with other players with other sports as well so we invite you guys to come back but with sean uh what, what are some of your uh part away comments uh some things you have to th say yeah, I would just say, I don't know, for me, hitting such a passion and baseball is such a passion. I think it's the greatest game in the world. And I would say like, with baseball, like repetition is the mother of skill. Like you got to be able to want to get in the cages. You got to want to work on the mental side of the game. You know, you got to want to learn to put tools in your toolbox and get ready to play. Um, and I think too, like, you know, I think a big thing is too, I think sometimes we overanalyze so much about different kinds of sports, but at the end of the day, like, the guys that I remember that I played with were the greatest, that, that were the greatest teammates to me 
were the guys that, that treated me the best. And so like, for all the kids out there, like, go out. What kind of teammate are you? You know, what kind of – when you show up at the yard, are you giving your team the best? Are you playing as hard as you can? Are you giving everything you've got to the guy that's next to you? You know, for me, I think that's such an important part of the game. We talk so much today about hitting and visual training, all that stuff. But, like, hey, at the end of the day, it's the people game. What kind of teammate are you? Are you showing up for each other? Are you giving everything you got? And, are, you know, and, and, and are you having fun doing it? So, you know, I would just encourage, you know, a lot of guys out there, man, enjoy the game. It's a great craft. It's a skill for hitting. And if you want to get good at it, you got to put the time in. There's no, there's no secret recipe out there. You got to want to put the time in. And the vision training stuff, man, it's, 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 as, it's just as important, if not more important, than sometimes some of the swings that you take. Yeah, great comments there, Sean. And I appreciate you being, uh, you know, it's always been fun, 21 years of, of knowing you and, and uh, you know, a big part of my dad. And uh, see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting through this, Sean. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously very appreciative for everything you did. And, and you guys had a great relationship. And uh, well, this is awesome. So appreciate it. Hey, one last thing, Ryan. I just want to tell you, thank you, man, for you and your dad. Like, you know, your dad was, a, was such a big figure in my life. And uh, he taught me so much about the mental side of the game and, and, my, and, my, and my eyes and how it all worked. And uh, I don't think I would have had the career I had without him. And, I, and uh, you know, may he rest in peace. But I just want to tell you, you're, you're a lucky man to have grown up with Bill Harrison as your dad. And I'm thankful, Ryan, that you care on the legacy of Slow the Game Down and all the things you're doing. I'm looking forward to working with you in the future, man. Yeah, and, you know, for – again, thank you.